This is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. If you find these podcasts helpful, would you please consider standing with us and supporting us? For more information about this and other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Empowered is what I was asked to share about, and um, it's been quite an interesting journey looking at the Word and stuff. And in fact, empowered isn't in the Word, so I was a bit stumped. I thought, well, what should we do now? It's not in the Word. So, well, let's look at power. Maybe that's in the Word, which, yes, it is, which I was glad to say. And um, before I start, really, as part of starting, I suppose, power is something that the world craves there are people who are power mad. Um, we see in different nations around the world people clamoring for power and control. And that's what it's about. It's about control. It's about domination. And that is not God's view of power. That is not what he wants. What I want us to do is look quickly um, at the word to see what we see from it. And it's a bigger subject than I've time to really share. So if you have your Bibles, you can wave them at me and show me you're diligent Christians. You brought it to church today. And thank God that you have a Bible you can read in English because people died to bring it in English to us. Um, Wycliffe being one of them. And I saw a documentary a couple of weeks ago which was powerful. Um, Okay, so without further ado, let's see what the time is, because if I start waffling, people will start nodding off. Are you there? Good. You're allowed to say amen, praise the Lord, or anything else, as long as it's positive, upbuilding, and wholesome, um, because you get blessed, and I know you're awake. Okay? So, Father, I'm asking you by the Holy Spirit to come and stir our hearts. What can I offer, Lord, other than what you say? Father, I am weak and human, but God, your word is all-powerful. So we, we want you, Father, and we want revelation and we want faith. Okay, thank you, Father. Turn to, we're going to look at firsts and lasts, just to start us off. Genesis 4, 12. Incidentally, in Hebrew, there are a lot of words translated as power, I'm choosing this one in particular because it's one of the early ones that emerges. And you might think, well, that's a bit strange, but let's see what it's telling us. There's a message in this. 4.12. If I was on the right page, it would help. Okay. So it says, this is where God is actually cursing Cain for killing his brother Abel. And the word power emerges. It says, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you or power Okay, what's that got to do with anything? This is the first mention of power, and it's very much about power from the earth, okay? And it is limited, it is earthbound and natural. That's the first mention of power, okay? And a bit like wisdom in James, where it says earthly wisdom is from below, it's unspiritual, earthly, and of the devil. Whoa. Hang on. Okay, journey all the way through the New Old Testament. Sorry, 
and jump to the last mention of this same word, which I didn't tell you is koach, I think. I'd love to have a Hebrew scholar come and teach me a bit. Um, and the word itself can be translated vigor, force, whilst you're looking for Zechariah. Vigor, force, might, strength, or substance are the general in, um, translations of this word that we're talking about. And the last mention of the word appears in Zechariah 4, 6. Anybody know what that verse is? It's one of my favorites. Hands up if you found Zechariah. What page is it on, Marks? I can't find it. Having said that, I just turned to it. Right. Oh, you've got technology. Yes. Hallelujah. What does it say? This is um, in a vision that Zechariah receives and an angel is speaking to him. And it says this, and it's quite interesting. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who incidentally was the grandson of King Hewiakim. And Zerubbabel was in exile in Babylon and had come out of Babylon to go back to rebuild the temple. And it's in the midst of rebuilding the temple that this word comes. And incidentally, his name means probably seed of Babylon. So one who's come out of Babylon, this is what the Lord says to you, not by might, nor by power, there's the word, this earthly strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So this is the journey from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end, we see a transfer that God is abandoning earthly natural power, leaving it behind and saying as a precursor to the New Testament, it's my spirit. It's by my spirit. And all that was good and well about building the temple, the word came saying, hey, look, it's not going to be about strength, earthly strength. It's going to be about my spirit. So tuck that in your hearts. God is saying there's something higher that we need to get the job done. God is superseding this natural realm with something greater. Now, this is stuff you, most of us already know, probably. But for those who perhaps haven't come across this, I will try to... I'll give a little bit more detail, so bear, bear with me. Okay, so why don't we jump straight into the New Testament now to see a first and a last. And there are far fewer words in the New Testament that are translated power. One is exousia, which is more about authority, the authority type of power. And the other is dunamis, which is the one that I'm going to look at, which is power, power, Oof, power. And both are as important as each other, really. So, if we look at Matthew 6.13, I kind of feel it probably is the first mention in the New Testament of the word dunamis. Well, I haven't read all the way through these um, chapters to double-check it, and I didn't have a, a, um, the resources to, to check. But 6.13, I believe, is the first mention, and it's at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Now, we know it, don't we? And do not lead us into temptation. This is verse 13 of Matthew 6. But deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power, the dunamis, and the glory forever. Amen. So as we enter the New Testament, God is saying, the power belongs to me. It's mine. Okay? It's God's. And if we just jump to Revelation 19, in fact, there's loads of dunamis in Revelation. It's powerful. Lots and lots in there. But the last mention just confirms really what I'm saying. Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, 
Alleluia. Salvation and glory and power belong to the Lord our God. This is the summation of all things, the end of all things, where eventually all power has been brought under God's final authority. And at the moment, it isn't. But it belongs to God nonetheless. All power belongs to God. But it doesn't at the moment rest in his hand fully. But at the end of time, it will. But basically, power is quite simply God's. And he, ho he chose to delegate it into the earthly realms. As well as the angelic realms as well. Okay, now then. Let's jump back to Zechariah. Oh dear, I've lost my place. Right, so... God is saying, well, I'm not going to, I know what it says. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He's saying that it's only through the Holy Spirit that we're going to get the job done. John chapter 7, verse 37. Anybody know what it says? Well, it's a good memory verse. If any man thirsts, this is Jesus speaking, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wait a minute, he's not talking about power. He's talking about rivers of living water. It's referring to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Come to Jesus and you will receive rivers of living water. If you believe in him and trust in him. What was the reference that? that was John 7.37. Pardon me? All oh, right. What does yours say? All right. Keep going. And it's the, it's the next part. I do beg your pardon. It's the next two. It's set 37, 38. Um, yeah. And I like that. Anyway, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying not to get diverted down lots of different tangents. Because there are so many. It was really hard to pull this together. Anyway, this was Jesus being a little bit abstract. If you imagine, they didn't fully understand. What is he talking about? Rivers of living water? What? I mean, bear in mind, they hadn't had their eyes open. They weren't born again. So they're thinking, what's he, what's he talking about? Jesus is sowing a seed into their hearts. Okay, and then after he's crucified and resurrected, jump into Acts. He starts to be a bit more specific, a bit more clear, down to earth, and saying, this is what I mean. So, he rose again, he began to appear to the disciples, and then he gave them a command. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until, what does it say? Until you've received something. Yeah, okay. Acts 1, verse 4. For John truly baptized you with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They're thinking, wow, what could that look like? And we saw baptism. We saw John baptizing hundreds and hundreds in the river. And I was one, and, and it was amazing. And, and we were soaked. I mean, what, what's it going to look like? Baptizing the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but we've got to wait, he says. And um, in verse 8, he says, And you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's giving them very clear instructions. 
And he's saying that it's when the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you'll receive power. And I just felt in my heart, you know, I was focusing very much on power in the study because that's what I was looking at. But I felt God was saying, don't seek the power. Seek the Holy Spirit. People and the natural man, as I said, crave and seeks for power. We want control. All of us in our lives till the day we go up to heaven will always have to deal with the desire to remain in control, to remain knowing what something is, how it's going to happen, what's going to work out like, and da-da-da-da-da. It's all that desire for power. But we cannot function in that realm and succeed in terms of building something of lasting value. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and to transform us that we can walk this walk of faith which is not by sight. So let's jump into chapter 2. Because this is where it all happens. Now, put this also into context of life. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was six weeks before that Jesus had said, Wait. Now, six weeks is half a school term it's 40 days or so it's one and a half months it's a jolly long time when you're waiting for something and I don't know about you God can say something to me last week and I've forgotten it by this Sunday I'm thinking what you know I said what was it preached on last week oh, I, don't, I can't remember really actually uh, it's hard to remember something but <laughs> yes, I must listen to it because I haven't heard it yet. We were with the children. We were having a great time downstairs. Incidentally, as a plug, if you want to work with the children, it's brilliant. Anyway, going off. Um, they're just so responsive. It's wonderful. And just as an aside, Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So get in touch with your child inside you. We need to be like children. Katie often says to me, You're weird. Because I just do the stupidest things at home. I just, I'm, I'm a big kid and I just muck about. Which is great, you know. So anyway, what happened? When the Holy Spirit, when they were baptised in the Holy Spirit, what was it like? I mean, it must have been amazing. And if I cry during this, you know me, so it's all right. Don't freak out. Right. Let's have a look. Verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It must have been the most amazing experience. I've never been in a, a gathering that in that sort of thing has happened. People have spoken in tongues and sung in tongues and all the rest of it, which is great, but I've never seen this sovereign move, this sovereign engagement of earth and heaven. It must have been amazing. And uh, just as an aside, this morning I was reminded of, which is where I might start crying, of a transformations video. And I have got it somewhere, um, and if you want to see it, it is worth watching. It's... Um, some guy or other in the States, he's going around the world documenting revival. And he, well, I don't know whether I can even get it out. It's just <laughs> it's too much. He went to uh, the Inuit Eskimo community because God had visited them. I mean, we're talking 
the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm not sure when it was, but it was in the recent past. It was a community that was in the back of beyond. There was alcoholism rife, domestic violence, child abuse. It was awful. And there were a handful of believers. <sighs> You'll have to excuse me. <laughs> they were in a gathering. They were just worshipping. And there came this rushing, rushing sound. And they could not control the PA system. They could not stop the recording. It was recording what was happening. And they show it. <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. You know what I'm like. They show them retelling the experience. There was, it was like um, a 747 in the room. Just... <laughs> It was like that, and they were playing the recording back and doing just what I'm doing now, as they were telling you, because the presence of God came, just sovereignly turned up and began to change hearts and lives, and the community was turned round. There was mass repentance and deliverance from alcoholism and all sorts of addictions. It was absolutely phenomenal. And now the council leaders, they start their meetings in prayer because they can't, they know they can't do it without God. They say, God, we need you, we need your help. Not only that, the whole of the, the environment started to be restored. Fish started appearing in the sea that hadn't been seen. The moose returned. Birds started returning. All sorts of wildlife started to return to the, um, the countryside around. And they began to see the restoration of God's always intended plan for the earth. I mean, it was, it's just wonderful. You are welcome to borrow this because there are a number of other um, revival things that are documented in it. It's phenomenal. I just sit and weep when I watch the thing. And I wonder is this what it was like? The presence of God just descended. They knew He was here. They couldn't understand it, but they just knew this is what it was on about. This is it, isn't it? This is what's going on. And they are filled. And all the fear of the Jews and all the rest of it, it just, it's broken off them. And the crowds in Jerusalem who were there for the season of whatever it was they were doing there, Pentecost, of course, um, from all across the, the known world of the Jewish community, all speaking in their different languages, come together to say, what is this noise? Of course, they didn't have aeroplanes in those days. They wouldn't have thought it was. But they hear this massive sound and are totally amazed and perplexed that they can hear these guys who've come outside, they're, they're speaking away, and everybody can understand what's being said in their own languages. Let's read it. Check the verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Aren't they all Galileans? How is it we hear them speaking in our own language? And it lists all the different places they were from. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. The wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed. Saying to one another, what could this mean? And others mocked saying, look, they're just drunk. Well, Peter boldly gets up. And boldly declares what this is about. Peter gets revelation. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it says in Joel that was prophesied before... Verse 17, 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke and da 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 da. Amazing things. It's a sign. And Peter continues on. Let's jump down. Men of Israel, verse 22. Hear these, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you. Uh, by God, with miracles, wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst. As you know, he being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. And God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it wasn't possible that he could be held by it. Glory to God. Jump down to verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's talking as if he knew it all along, isn't he? He's got revelation. It's come and he's emboldened. The promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see in here. Jump down to 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Wow, praise God. I mean, speaking with such great boldness. And when they heard this, the crowd were cut to the heart and saying, what must we do then? And Peter says, repent, turn around. Give your life to God and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the washing away of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Everybody say all. That's us. We're the all. And if you haven't been baptized, be baptized. If you believed in Jesus, that's what you need to do. It's the seal of the work. And God promises to give us the Holy Spirit. And so speaking in tongues and all these things is for us today. Many of us know that. And if you don't speak in tongues, today is an opportunity for you to begin to speak in tongues. Obviously you need to believe in Jesus, but you can do that too and speak in tongues. I, I, I always like to ask people who come for prayer if they speak in tongues if there's a witness in my spirit did you speak in tongues and quite often they say no well guess what you can and the reason I always go on about it is because when I began speaking in tongues my life was transformed I changed massively and it is such a powerful gift just to say the times of encounter we were having when we were like the Monday Tuesday Wednesday I was spending a lot of time just speaking and praying in tongues during the evening. And things started happening at work. I mean, it was just like, wow. I mean, the following, was it Thursday lunchtime? Um, we're all sat down in the meeting room to just have lunch together. And they, I'd heard, because I was in the kitchen, I could hear down the corridor. They were talking about poltergeists and me Auntie Mavis that visits and such and such and my experience and a lot of them had supernatural experiences and I'm thinking okay I'll go and join them for lunch right let's go and sit down just wait for the opportunity and I'm thinking God please give me grace not to be insensitive to their experiences and what they believe it to be and I just had the opportunity and because some of them were totally freaked out by some of the things that had happened to them 
I said, well, basically, it's quite simple. It's not your long-lost auntie or somebody that used to live in the house and da-di-da-di-da. It's either one of three things. Did I say that? It's either demons, angels, or God. <laughs> basically, it's simple. It's either good, bad, or good or bad, basically. One or the other. And they were talking about a house that one of them had that they've got this thing that's going on in there. And I said, you, you need to just go and pray and bless the house. And I related one or two experiences of myself. I said, oh, right, right, wow, wow. Seed sown. Speaking in tongues, I believe, had actually generated an opportunity. Get back to the point. That's why speaking in tongues is powerful. And I want to challenge you today. Wave at me if you speak in tongues. Okay? I challenge you now to begin to do that more. Consciously endeavor to do that. When you're in the car driving to work, if you drive, if you're walking down the street, going to the shops, just praying tongues under your breath. Find time to do it because it will change you. It builds you up. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, it says, Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up. And I wish you that you all spoke in tongues. That was Paul. I really wish you could all speak in tongues. Okay? The opportunity is there for us all. But even more that you prophesied, but I haven't got time to go down that way. Okay. So tongues plugs us into the power of God. Remember we're talking about not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. The sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit was the speaking in tongues, amongst other things. But I would say the most obvious practical um, reality for us today of God's presence and God's power is the, the ability to pray in tongues. Okay, That, for me, is the most concrete handle on God for our daily walk. Now, if you look at it in that light, it kind of catapults it up in priority, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Also, out of the baptism in the Holy Spirit does come prophesying, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, working of miracles, and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. There is much more. We scratch the surface, brothers and sisters. There is a lot more. Words of knowledge. In fact, I remember, Alan, you spoke to me many years ago and said, you're going to have words of knowledge. And I have not labored in that. Every time, and now and again, I've kind of thought, oh, I remember Alan. And I never get round to sort of saying, God, or maybe I have unwittingly and not realized. But I've never really pushed myself to get before God and say, God, I want you to give me words of knowledge for people. Because I haven't put myself in the position. So I'm challenging myself. I'm saying, hey, look. I'm also being spoken to today. I'm not pointing the finger at you. Pointing. When you point the finger, there's always three pointing back at you. Anyway, so where do we go? Do you know there's so much to this? Um, we need some more keys. So let's jump into chapter 3 of Acts. And this is the story of when the man who begged at the beautiful gate of the temple was sat there as normal 
As the crowds are going past for the time of prayer in the afternoon, Peter and John are going past too. And he's reaching out his hands, hoping to get some money off them. And he looks up and Peter, verse 4, fixing his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Oh, it's my lucky day. I'm going to get something. Well, he got more than he bargained for. He didn't just get money. He got his life restored. He got his livelihood restored. Livelihood came back to him. He could work now. Didn't have to beg anymore. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow, that's a short prayer, isn't it? It wasn't really a prayer. It was like activation. Your legs are going to work now in the name of Jesus. Wow. So he, leaping up, verse 8, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. It must have been an amazing sight. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew it was the guy who'd been sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And all the people are gathering round. And verse 12, Peter, when he saw people kind of thinking, wow, these guys are amazing. Wow, what have they done? He's getting, whoa, 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 hang on. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified. He goes on. He's a bit of a talker is Peter. You have to pull out the detail. Wait, wait a minute. Hang on. He starts to go back into a preach. He was a born preacher, wasn't he? But what I want to pull out is in verse... Where is it? There we go. Verse 16. Let's go back to verse 15. And they killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which were our witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And the key thing here is, the key, one of the keys, and really it does, which I was, why I was finding difficulty, it takes us into a whole teaching series now, when I can't do that this morning, Simply put, to unlock the power of God, we do it by faith. Okay? You can't work it up, but you can exercise faith. You can build your faith. You can develop your faith. And we all have faith if we're believers. We all used faith in his name to become Christians. We used a seed of faith to say, I believe, I receive salvation. With the same faith, we reach into God for more. And we can access the power of God in the name of Jesus. So it's the name and it's the faith in the name when we speak. We tend to use it as a bit of an add-on. But let's try to, when we say in the name of Jesus, do it very consciously. Because that name, Jesus, I don't know if whether you've noticed, whenever you say Jesus in conversation when you're talking or saying something, people make a slight wince or a, because there is power. The name Jesus is anointed. Yes. Yes. I find it in every place 
I have said Jesus in conversation, whether it be sharing, just even just mentioning by the by, oh, well, I just asked Jesus for the... Just a very subtle thing because the anointing is in his name. It's powerful. And people, actually, we will avoid using the name of Jesus sometimes because we know as well. There's this sense and we're thinking, oh, I won't say that. We do it subconsciously, avoiding it. And we need to wholeheartedly embrace his name because we own his name. His name is on us. Let's not hide it. Okay. I've gone on for about 30 minutes and I don't want to go too far, but I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say some points here. 1 Corinthians 4.20. There is a danger of knowing all this stuff. And I'm going to sit down for a moment. It's easy to know it in our heads. But 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And we need to remember that. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel message is what we are called to bring and share. And we need to encourage one another because it's hard to find opportunities. And my workplace is so demanding and busy. And this thing after... Da, 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 I come home and I think... Uh, yeah, I didn't really give you a look in today, God, did I? You know, it's just so many things. And we have to encourage one another. I do have opportunities at work, I will say. Praying in tongues will probably open up some more. Anyway, the gospel is power. That's why signs and wonders accompany the proclamation of the gospel. And it is, we can't get away from it. This is the basics, but it's reality. We need to get back to basics because I want to live a life that counts. I want to live a life that is demonstrating something that power is manifest, not because of me, but because of what God says. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5 overall, but I'll pull out the last bit. It's talking about the corruption in society. And it says, and in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And I feel that very strongly for the, the nation of Britain, the Christian church in Britain. We can so easily fall into a form of godliness, but well, nothing ever happens when we pray, really. And well, we just pray a prayer of God bless you. No, I'm sorry. I want to see restoration. We have to claim back. What's happened in this nation? We have allowed, by foolishness of turning away, creating a vacuum in our society which Satan has come and filled. Because of a turning away from church, even if it was traditional or whatever, there has been a vacuum that has been filled in by a load of garbage. And the enemy has taken ground. We need to affirm our heritage. And we have to actually take it back. It is ours and we have to get quite violent about it in prayer. And say, no, enough is enough. When we pray, things will happen. When we pray, bodies will get healed because this is what God says. It is his word. And I will not allow the enemy to allow the status quo to remain. Sorry, enemy, your smoke screens are exposed. We are seeing change. We are seeing change. We have the word of God and we are learning the weapons of our warfare. There is power in the word and there's power when we speak it in faith. And 2 Corinthians 4, 7 is kind of, comes back to the original thing. Earthly strength won't do it. And it just simply says, but we have this power in earthen vessels. 
that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves, that people will say, hey, that is not that, Stuart Allen, because look, he's a weedy-looking fellow, really. He hasn't got strength to do that. And I remember there are some key things. Let's perhaps finish with this story, but I do want to pray. There are some other verses, but that's all about faith. Get on to faith. Look it up yourselves. Go on, do a study. Um, we prayed, and we're going to pray this morning, so I want you to be ready if you want to receive more. And I don't want to be the only one praying either because it will take a long time. And we need to think about the children downstairs too because they'll be wanting to come back up. A number of weeks ago, I actually have shared it with a handful of people, but it's quite a few months back. At the end of a meeting, I prayed for divine appointments. I don't know if you remember. And 10 days later, I had the most wonderful divine appointment. <laughs> so I'll tell you about it. Um, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this now, but anyway, it's good. I'd been really burdened uh, for the lost, and the whole concept is not even a concept, the reality of heaven and hell. And I'd been reading Beyond the Veil, which is the most amazing testimony of orphan children in China who were cared for by a Christian family, um, having encounters with heaven and hell. And the, the children were actually going through the motions of what was happening in their vision. Their eyes were shut and they were blowing trumpets and playing harps and all sorts. And I say it sounds twee and whatever, but that's what they were doing. They had visions of heaven. They were taken to hell and they saw hell and they saw people they knew and they were crying out and it was just awful. And this is the reality, folks. We have the power of God to break people free by the power of the gospel. And we have to stir ourselves up. And I was burdened. I was saying, God, help me. Help me, God. I just look around and I see so many blind people. Some days I just find it overwhelming. I just think, God, I just don't want to see another person because I just think, God, the emptiness out there is so bad. And I say, where do I start, God? We need the Holy Spirit. So I'm saying, God, I just please direct my steps, direct my steps. And um, I was at Pinderfield's Hospital because that's where I work uh, on and off. And I was walking back to my car at a time I very rarely walk back to the car. And it just so happens that there in front of me, about 50 yards away, was somebody in a bright yellow fleece top. And I'm walking without my glasses, so it's a little bit fuzzy. And I'm thinking, that looks just like it is. And I said, Pat? Now, Pat used to be the secretary in the office where I first started working and I had an opportunity to pray for Pat and it was one of those I'm an earthen vessel God I do not want to do this at all but you're telling me she was complaining and I might have shared this with a few of you she was complaining of this really stiff neck and a headache and just oh do you know Stuart oh dear anyway oh yeah and I remember Ian Russell those of you who remember I just remembered a preach he just said lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I just saw it in my mind's eye. And I thought, oh, God, please, no. Please, no. I'm new here, God, and I don't want to do this. This is going to be so much. So anyway, I had to leave the office at a certain time. And I'm messing about, stalling and stalling and thinking, oh, God, oh, God, I've got two minutes left. I'm going to have to do it. I just said, Pat, um, I know this might sound strange, but can I pray for you? She says, oh, yeah, any time. And she thought I was going to go away and pray for her, you know. Oh, that's very twee, very nice. Thank you. 
And I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hands on you and just pray a prayer. And honestly, I felt wretched, to be fair. I just didn't want to do this at all. But I'll just demonstrate on Monarch, if you don't mind. I just came up behind her. She had this big booth on hairdo. And I thought, well, I won't put my hands on your head. I just put my hands on on her shoulders. And literally, and this is very rare, I felt power go down my arms and touch her. And she said, yeah, anytime you want. Oh, she said, it was gone. Yeah, anytime you want to. It's gone. It's complete. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. And honestly, I just knew God had done something. And I felt very conscious that God was showing me, power's not yours, Stu. It's not about you. You just obeyed. You just were the channel. And that's really what it is all about. It's not about big shakes, who am I, and all the rest of it. It's about obedience, but also prompting by the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Now then, that was then, and she st- basically she became an evangelist for what had happened. And she told everybody she knew about it. Twenty years later, I bump into her. Basically, I I haven't seen her for about that length of time. And I always wondered, you know, what happened. So anyway, (laughs) I'm walking down the road and I'm thinking, that's Pat. And immediately I'm thinking, I remember praying for her. I wonder what's happened. And she came up to me and said, Stuart, well, it was amazing. Well, do you know, she said, I haven't been out of the house for three years. She said, this is the second time, actually, the second time this week for in three years, I haven't left the house because she was crippled with this terrible pain in her hips. Da 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 da. And I'd been I'd been pushing myself, and she gave me the story about how she ended up in this predicament. And she's into transcendental meditation, so I wonder. Well, I wonder how that all happened. Anyway, um, still hadn't become a Christian. And she said, "Do you remember when you prayed for me?" I said, "I do, Pat. Mm, very well, in fact." And I thought, well, she said to me. As we got talking, she said, you know, I've got my Christian friends in Norwich. Well, actually, Margaret's died now, but the, I still talk to David, if that's the names, can't remember. But, and I'm having this philosophical conversation with him over the internet at the moment. And then she, you could see revelation hitting her. She said, it's going to make me cry. Do you think we were meant to meet? Funny you should say that, Pat, but yes, I do. And she said, well, do you know, I've just had, I've got carpal tunnel syndrome as well, and I've had an operation, but look, it's splitting down here, and, and I'm putting cream on it. She says, Pat, would you like me to pray? Oh, would you? Would you? Oh, thank you. So there in the middle, broad daylight, in Pinderfield's campus, cars going past, people walking by. I take her hand, and I'm really moved when I'm praying. So I, I, I just pray, say, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just pray that you'll heal this wound and just ask you to touch Pat now and just bless her and show her that you're there. She, <laughs> well, I'm such an emotional bag, I don't know. She just wells up. She says, oh, I'm crying, I'm crying. Oh, I said, God is trying to show you. Your heavenly father is trying to tell you he loves you, Pat. You need to give your life to him. You need to trust him. Oh, 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 I'll have a think about it. You know, well, that was that. But it was divine appointment. And it was like unfinished business. God knew. And that there was the tying up of a loose end. And I don't know where she's at now. And I don't know where she is to go and visit her. I know vaguely, but I don't know the address. Come on, God. God wants to move through us with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, come on. So, you know, that's my preach done. And really, it's about power. So I just want us now to just receive. If you want to stand up, feel free. If you want to stay sat down, that's fine. God has already been talking, and I really appreciate Sarah bringing that, that scripture from Acts, because it was just confirming. You know, he's, he's talking to us about power. We need to push off the, the unbelief, the disappointments of, and all the fear. I stopped praying for people because of rejection. I just didn't want to do it, didn't want to offer, because people think I'm nuts. Uh, but there is a participation with Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. This is what we need. So...